Ahoy hoy. Draft day for me, guys. Welcome in Nitty Gritty Committee. I'm Tyrell McLaughlin. You can find me on Twitter at TNFF Tyrell. Follow my PIC at TCO14. And you can find all mine and Travis's work at TrueNorthFFB.com. And today, our New Orleans Saints season preview. We filtered and distilled all the drops off the tea leaves through the offseason. Now we've seen some usage and performances from the first team offenses through preseason. And so we're going to go through what we see coming in 2019. For every team, we're going to dish on available work. That's vacated targets, rushing attempts gone from last season. And with all that comes red zone work. And we know with the Saints, we can definitely chase touchdowns. And some teams see drastic change that can alter the volume available. And it's definitely in the backfield here with the Saints this year. We'll also talk about new faces. And we'll also include a little preseason primer. So we'll be breaking down the first team offenses. We'll be answering nagging questions. And we'll be talking snap percentages, formations, position battles, and usage on third downs and in the red zone. Also include Drew Brees' target distribution in the preseason. And to close out, I'll run down the team by position for fantasy. And with that comes lots of projections, rankings, and looking at some ADP. And I'll cap the episode off with some old school stuff like sleepers, deep sleepers, a breakout candidate, maybe even some undervalued and overvalued foos. And sorry, I don't keep good guys waiting, so let's get to it. Who dat nation? New Orleans Saints. Where I want to start with the Saints is Sean Payton. Number one, we have him to blame if the new pass interference review goes belly up. But for fantasy, Sean Payton should be regarded like Bilicek is in real football circles. And I'll talk a lot about it in this episode, but over the last two years, Sean Payton has transformed this offense from one of the pass heaviest to one of the run heaviest. In 2016, they had 674 pass attempts and ran just 37% of the time. And fast forward two seasons and they had only 519 pass attempts last year and ran the ball almost 50% of the time. And that trend could increase even further this season. In 2017, they were 13th in team rushing attempts and jumped all the way to 5th last year. And back to Sean Payton, having a long tenured coach is great for us projecting a team out. Well, you know, exceedingly rare these days, it really lets us learn their tendencies over time. And, you know, Sean Payton's offenses in New Orleans have just been so good. He's had the ability even to morph an NFL offense while remaining atop the league in most offensive categories. It's really amazing. So to prove that point, the Saints scored the most points on the scoreboard every season. In the last five seasons, they've been top 10 every year and top five for three years running. New Orleans also puts up as many total yards as any team annually. The Saints have ranked number eight, number two, number one, number two, and number one in the last five years. So Sean Payton, Drew Brees, and their core players can scheme yards and finish drives off with touchdowns. And this run is maintained through, like I said, the transition in the offense and their philosophy. Few statistics have even been affected. Outside of rushing attempts, there's two more stats that have been affected. First downs have taken a small hit in the last year or two. They were number five in the NFL in total first downs and number seven in 2017. And before that, as a pass-heavy team, the Saints ranked number one in the league for three years straight before that. And the huge difference for this team and how we need to approach them is the pace of play. It's the difference between Drew Brees being a high-end quarterback and a mid-range one, in my opinion. From 2014 to 2016, the Saints were number three, number four, and number one in the NFL in plays from scrimmage. But in the last two years now, as one of the run-heaviest teams in the NFL, they've ranked number 19 and number 18 in total play volume. And I think it's important to find these things out, like specifically for projections. As I project from the team level, of course, and place from scrimmage is a huge number to be accurate on. It's where your rush and pass attempts come from once calculating the rush to pass ratio. So the Saints are slower, and now we know. But as I alluded to, this really hasn't affected their efficiency. And that is the benchmark of this offense, the efficiency. Well, I'm just pummeling you with stats here. They've been top seven in the NFL in yards per play for five years straight. So our biggest questions we're aiming to answer here heading into 2019 for New Orleans 
Is Alvin Kamara and Michael Thomas commanded so much volume, can these newcomers Latavius Murray and mostly Jared Cook pay off their ADPs? And will this offense continue to trend even more run heavy as Drew Brees ages? And we have to hash out the red zone work that was completely dominated by Kamara and Michael Thomas last year. And of course, Michael Thomas, he's put up freakish, freakish, historic efficiency on his catch rate. Does that have to come down? So we'll touch on all those things as we go through here. So prepare for liftoff. So first, I'll talk about available work in the Saints offense for 2019. There's not a lot of passing work available, obviously, and their passing attempts could decrease. So they're bottom 10 in targets available. So I'm just going to move right on to carries because they do have a lot of rushing work available. They have 159 carries vacated from last year. That's 11th in the league. And they have the fourth most red zone carries available and 12 goal line rushes as well, which is third in the NFL. And I feel like that is the most important info we can offer when it comes to the Saints. Mark Ingram leaving abandoned so much high leverage work and a role we covet for fantasy. During the last two years, as the Saints became run heavy, Mark Ingram has 61 red zone carries combined. He was top 20 in the NFL in both seasons, and he leaves 38 carries inside the 10 yard line. And he was top 15 in that category in both seasons. And most importantly, Mark Ingram and his 25 goal line carries were the third most goal line carries across the last two seasons among any player in the NFL. And that kind of moves us into new faces. Let's go to the comers and goers. So yeah, Mark Ingram, bye-bye. And insert Latavius Murray. They're basically the same age. And while Mark Ingram has some extra accolades, like the Heisman Trophy and all that, and playing for Alabama, but in my opinion, I've seen just as much, if not more, in the NFL from Latavius Murray. And I know I'm in the minority there. And as far as the majority, (laughs) Latavius Murray should see the majority of Mark Ingram's high leverage work he leaves behind. He should seamlessly walk into a goal line role while offering more athleticism than he's given credit for, for sure. And when talking about the goal line role, in 2017, Latavius Murray had 48 red zone rushes, which was fourth in the NFL. And it's interesting to note, that was the season Dalvin Cook was there and Jarek McKinnon and, you know, Latavius Murray split the backfield in Minnesota late into the season. And last year, he really was just a victim of circumstance. You know, playing for a Minnesota team the year before that allowed him almost 50 red zone carries and the fifth most goal line carries. In 2018, the Vikings were 31st in the NFL in rush attempts on the goal line. They had just eight rush attempts inside the five yard line as a team last year. And the irony is Latavius Murray actually had a higher percentage of his team's carries on the goal line than Mark Ingram did last year and almost double his team's share of red zone carries. And I say all that because it really just symbolizes how important situation can be for fantasy. And the Saints are the only team that can offer this kind of upside for their running backs. Emphasis on plural there. (laughs) Because the last two years, the Saints have had two running backs inside the top 20 in overall red zone rushing attempts. No other team was close. And so Kamara was number two and Mark Ingram was number 19 last year. And the only two running backs in the same backfield who even showed up on my list were Sony Michelle and James White for the Patriots. And they were both top 36. So let's move on. I'll quickly skim what we saw in the preseason for the Saints. So here's the preseason primer. There was some solid takeaways from the Saints that confirmed some assumptions for us in the preseason. In game one, right off the bat against the Vikings, we saw Kamara. He was the focal point early on on the first drive, but he was also subbed by Latavius Murray halfway through that drive. And so overall, in that game with the starters, Alvin Kamara played 10 snaps and Latavius Murray played five. And while on some snap counts, you'll see that it was 10 to eight, I'm talking about just when they played with the starters. So that's about how I project things to shake out. It's actually a similar snap percentage Alvin Kamara had with Mark Ingram last year. And so a 2-1 to out snap for Alvin Kamara leaves a lot of room for Ingram to see some volume. And really quickly for Dynasty Superflex Freaks, last chance to go send a cheap offer out for Teddy Bridgewater. If he is the starter next year, he will be a huge value. I think we want pieces of this offense, even post Drew Brees. 
And that's because of Sean Payton, like I talked about. And I say Teddy B is like 75% chance to be the starter in 2020. And moving on, let's fast forward right to week three, where we saw Drew Brees. It was just for one drive, though. And we also saw Latavius Murray and Jared Cook rested in this game. And man, it looked just like last year. It was all AK, all day, and Michael Thomas. Against the Jets in the dress rehearsal, official, all first four plays were directed to Alvin Kamara. And seven of the eight first plays on that drive with Drew Brees went to him or Michael Thomas. And Michael Thomas looked incredible. He had a 20-yard catch between uh, C.J. Mosley and Brandon Poole, and that was only surpassed by his ridiculous touchdown grab on Campbell's Dome, who's just going to be an absolute liability for the Jets, in my opinion, this year. So yeah, 90% catch rate for Michael Thomas this year, right? (laughs) So in the game against the Jets in the dress rehearsal, Drew Brees led an eight-play touchdown drive, Camaro's highlight, and Brees was a nice, beautiful wheel route. And so I just wanted to be quick there because there wasn't a lot to take away from the preseason, even when it comes to position battles. So we gleaned some snap share and some upside scenarios, as well as Breeze not being cooked, I guess. So I'm going to move into our positional breakdown for the New Orleans Saints in 2019 here. And staying with Drew Breeze, let's start at the quarterback. While he is getting older, the Saints' top 10 offensive line, even with the loss of Max Unger, still provides Breeze enough time to display his historic efficiency. Even though I think that his like total top 5 upside might be capped. But my biggest problem with Drew Brees is regardless of having Ted Ginn and Traquan Smith on the team, the Saints haven't thrown deep very much. Last year, Drew Brees barely cracked top 20 among all quarterbacks in deep attempts. And he was outside the top 20 in deep attempt percentage. And that's despite him being number 3 in the NFL in deep ball accuracy. And number 1 in 2018 ahead of Russell Wilson and Aaron Rodgers in quarterback rating when throwing deep balls. So I'm kind of just fading Drew Brees at his cost in fantasy though. He could experience career regression of course. And his splits at home and away are likely universally known, so I won't lay those out. But he is a tough start in fantasy on the road. And it is compounded by the team now being a potent run attack. But some splits that may shock and awe are his splits in fantasy playoffs. Be it whether the coach is sheltering Breeze, resting him for the playoffs, or tilt to road games deep in the year, Drew Breeze has hit a wall for fantasy football deep into the season the last two years. And last year was just crazy. In 2018 and weeks 1-13, to he helped you get to the playoffs single-handedly as a quarterback. In those 13 games, he was tied for quarterback two. But in weeks 14 to 16, your three-week playoffs, he was quarterback 22. That's fantastic. So Drew Brees is quarterback six right now in ADP. And maybe I'm alone, but I feel like he's monstrously overpriced. I have him ranked as my quarterback 13, and there's no way he's the quarterback you should be entertaining in the single-digit rounds, in my opinion. And sliding into my projections here, I have Drew Brees passing for under 4,000 yards in 2019. To put that in perspective, he's thrown for 5,000 yards in five seasons with the Saints. And last year was the first time he's ever thrown for less than 4,000. But like I said, the deep passing just isn't there, which is where he's always, you know, kind of made his money for fantasy. And the play volume and the pace of play in this offense may not support him being a top two quarterback going forward. And along with feeding the running backs on the ground here in the last couple years, the Saints have thrown low average depth of target passes. And they've weaponized the running backs in the passing game even more than they have in the past. And to lay it out, last year, Drew Brees targeted running backs on 29% of his passes, number two in the NFL. And in 2017, Saints running backs had a 32% market share from Drew Brees, number one in the NFL. And that moves us right along to the fantasy gold that is the New Orleans Saints running backs. So I've said a lot, but I do have some more to say here. (laughs) The 2018 New Orleans Saints were number one in red zone rushing attempts, number one on the goal line. And that should almost be as obvious at this point as this. The Saints, while leading the league in both 2017 and 2018, 
were also the only team to hit 20 rushing touchdowns in both seasons. And their 49 combined rushing touchdowns over that span just dwarfs any other team. And moving into the main attraction, I'll try not to spend too much time on him. Alvin Kamara. Off the bat, Kamara is the highest non-quarterback on the board in props for NFL MVP this year, which is awesome. If anybody has the Jamal Charles season in his range of outcomes, it's Alvin Kamara. Or maybe Saquon or CMC. So Alvin Kamara has been the RB3 and RB4 in back-to-back years, and he's done that on limited touches, especially on the goal line. And while he's been heavily used in the red zone, some high variance that can hit him in 2019 is he could increase his chunk of work on the goal line. Kind of how we saw Christian McCaffrey do last year. While we might need an injury to Latavius Murray, but Kamara has only had a 20% share of goal line touches in 2017, and he didn't even break 40% last year, despite his 14 rushing touchdowns. And so the only downside would be an overall dip in volume from his 275 touches he saw in 2018. And that's because of the incoming free agency uh, additions. But knowing the relationship between especially tight ends and running back targets, I have no concerns about Jared Cook eating into Alvin Kamara's locked in 100 target floor. And last season, maybe the craziest stat I dug for was Alvin Kamara finishing fifth overall in the NFL in red zones as a running back was totally historic. I went back 20 years and I couldn't find another running back who finished in the top five in the NFL in red zone targets. And on top of his work through the air, Kamara was number two in red zone carries and inside the 10. He was also number two in overall touches in the red zone in 2018 behind Todd Gurley by only one touch. Todd Gurley, whose workload we expect to diminish this upcoming season. And so AK is in my top three and when debating the top four for fantasy this year, it's easy to move Zeke down to four now with any looming questions because you really can't go wrong inside the top three in my opinion. So take Alvin Kamara as early as you want. Let's call him Kamurli this year and just hope for a top three pick in your leagues or pay up in that auction, right? Studs and duds, baby. But Alvin Kamara's built-in floor is truly out of this world in my opinion. Last year, he was number four in yards per route run among all running backs. And in 2017, he was number one in the NFL among running backs with a 2.84 yards per route run. He averaged half a yard more per route he went out to run than the second and third highest yards per route run running backs in the NFL in 2017. And those players behind him were third down backs and Chris Thompson and Rex Burkhead, who combined didn't equal the receiving yards Alvin Kamara did. And moving on, let's scurry to Murray, Latavius Murray. Man, I've already waxed poetic about his opportunity, but to accentuate how desirable this team is for running backs, get a load of this. The Saints running backs have ranked in fantasy points per game as a team in the last five years. Number one, number one, number one, number two, and number one. So we want two pieces of this running back group in New Orleans. And I think we can draw comparisons from when Latavius Murray was actually behind a good offensive line in Oakland. During his two years as a starter with the Raiders, he finished running back 11 and running back 13 in PPR those seasons, and he did it in two entirely different ways. The first year, he did it by having over 250 carries by pure volume on the ground, and the next year, he did it having under 200 rushing attempts but had double-digit touchdowns. And I talked a little bit about it over the next two years. He found himself in unwinnable scenarios. The Vikings drafted Dalvin Cook the year they signed him in free agency. And while he still put up a running back 25 year, mostly thanks to red zone carries, that team was completely falling apart last year in Minnesota. So now back in a good situation, my only concern is probably his age, because I do think Latavius Murray's pass catching upside and athleticism have always been underrated. At 6'2 and over 220 pounds, he ran a 4'4'3 coming out, and Latavius Murray has 97th percentile speed score. So Latavius Murray's going off the board as running back 34, I have him as my running back 28, and I think he is a bye-bye-bye. I even like him ahead of some players I have ahead of him in my rankings. He is only my running back 32 in projections, but we know projections and touchdown upside aren't synonymous. 
And if you're in a standard league, move him up, up, up. He is an every down running back two in that format. And in Dynasty, I was right there with everybody, ready to move on from Latavius Murray this offseason. But situation can be displayed more dramatically than this, I think, for fantasy. So if Latavius Murray owners are not super dialed in, send out some offers in Dynasty. Sacrifice like young, attractive players who could be replaced by incoming 2020 rookies. Like that's how you should go about trying to acquire them. But I talked about his speed score. Let's move through the rest of the running backs here with speed because I'm taking too long. So really quickly, Divino Zigbo and Dwayne Washington both should make the team. Jaquiz Rogers should be cut. And you know, he knows how it works, right? Jaquiz knows the biz. <laughs> but an intriguing move in deep 25 plus roster dynasty leagues. Take both those players and stash even Buck Allen on your IR. Because all three of those running backs, you know, are Saints running backs. And you never know. But they're definitely better players to have on your roster than, say, a Miles Gaskin who's in a similar scenario in, say, Miami. So moving on, wide receivers. Or knowing the volume and target share, should I say wide receiver? Um, Michael Thomas. Already down in the books in New Orleans, he set the franchise record in catches, yards, and touchdowns by a Saints rookie. As a sophomore, Big MT had over 100 catches, and combined over his first two seasons, he had 196 catches, which at the point set an NFL record. And last season, aside from increasing his record to having the most receptions through three years of an NFL season, he also had 38 catches through three weeks, and that was another NFL record. And I think he had 16 catches in a game there against the the poor Bucks. I think I remember that. So after his history making in 2016 to 2018, he said, why not in 2019? Uh, Michael Thomas became the first non-quarterback $100 million man in NFL history. And along with reception records, Michael Thomas is also in a perfect marriage with Drew Brees. He's had ridiculous efficiency. His 77% catch rate through three years is the best in NFL history among wide receivers with 200 catches. And last year's 85, yeah, 85% catch rate was the best in NFL history of anybody with 40 plus targets. And it wasn't really close. I think Wes Welker was number two. And with all that in mind last year, he was used in high leverage areas at a league high rate. Michael Thomas was number two in red zone targets, number two in targets inside the 10 yard line. And man, he does feel locked in, but we should note there is some talent behind him and they did make an investment at tight end. And if you notice that both Michael Thomas and Alvin Kamara were tops in the NFL in red zone targets, I know it was pretty wild. Their 55 combined targets were a huge percent of the team's share and by far the most of any two combined players like trumping, you know, Adam Thielen, Stefan Diggs, all these players. But it does leave us the debate between Michael Thomas, Alvin Kamara and Jared Cook paying off ADP, right? So knowing the pass volume in this offense, its priority and the new weapons along with, you know, an aging quarterback, his ADP of wide receiver three overall is kind of hard for me to swallow. I have Michael Thomas as my wide receiver seven, and I can't get him ahead of players like Julio Jones, Juju Smith-Schuster, or Odell Beckham Jr. And for me, the difference is overall volume and a higher percentage, in my opinion, of finishing as the wide receiver one, which is my expectation taking a player in the first round. And my projections have Michael Thomas as wide receiver six, just ahead of Odell Beckham Jr., who's a player I rank just ahead of him. So moving on here, behind all the giant players I've touched on here going forward, it might be a bit heartbreaking. And to make it all cyclical, it is the transformation the offense has undergone the last two seasons. During that span, the second wide receiver for the Saints has averaged under 60 targets and just 40 catches. And comparing the two years before that, the wide receiver two saw just under 100 targets and on average about 70 catches. And that, and you know, quickly to note, that was part of the allure the Saints had recently was how condensed this offense was. So if we are obligated to go over the wide receivers behind Michael Thomas, there's three I'll hit on and I'm going to hit on him in rapid succession here. My favorite, a prospect I was high on, and a kid who's shown what's up when he does get the ball in his hands. And that's Traquan Smith. 
He's so talented, I think. He had a speed score and a burst score that are just huge for his size. And yeah, he has prototypical size. And after he just lit up the preseason last year, though, I bought into the hype, but the volume was not there at all. It was disappointing. It was most disappointing because the talent was, I thought. Actually, Traquan Smith was fifth in the NFL in fantasy points per catch last year. But you know, quickly moving on. So I mean, the market is pretty wise on Traquan Smith. He's going as wide receiver 64, and I have him as wide receiver 60 in my rankings. But in projections, he came out as wide receiver 59. But you know, that's tied to some of the deep ball stats I laid out for Drew Brees and Traquan Smith's ability. But his rankings in ADP should show the weekly instability that come with drafting Traquan Smith. And I'll spend 10 seconds on Ted Ginn. I projected Ted Ginn for less than 70 targets, less overall work everywhere than Traquan Smith for 2019. But in all fairness, I've had a negative bias since Ted Ginn was a top 10 pick. <laughs> and I just never liked the Panthers back then. And yeah, he is just an absolute impossible start in fantasy football. And shockingly, he's still drafted in the top 200 of drafts. And I have him outside and as an undraftable player in redraft leagues. Moving on, actually for Dynasty, I do like Emmanuel Butler. He's a big UDFA wide receiver. He showed well in camps. And if you're grading metrics like high school style, he would have had an A in speed score and college dominator and an A plus in breakout age. <laughs> but after training camps and OTAs, he didn't really do what I would have liked him to do in the preseason. So he's just kind of a watch up for now. And let's head on to the last important piece. Let's head on to tight end, Jared Cook. They brought him in to finally eliminate the need to run Josh Hill out there as their starter, I guess. But after a career year last season, I think he's one of the clearest fades in fantasy football. We know the passing volume overall is light. And last season, the Saints threw only 13% of the time to the tight end. It was the second lowest behind the Lions, who, you know, also went out and used a top 10 pick in the NFL draft uh, on the position. <laughs> who does that? Oh yeah, the Lions. <laughs> Eric Ebron. But I digress. That low market share is what concerns me though for Michael Thomas's total upside. That 13%, you know, market share to tight ends can't not go up. <laughs> and it was another contributor to the huge red zone numbers that both Kamara and Michael Thomas shared last year. Their combined 55 targets left only 40 for the entire team to split outside of that. But it is really tough for me to say that Michael Thomas or Alvin Kamara seed enough work in the areas of the field tight ends need to see volume for Jared Cook to be a good pick in fantasy this year. So in projections, he came out as my tight end 12, and Ebron just fell below him after altering for Andrew Luck. So the 32-year-old on a new team is being drafted as the tight end 7 in ADP, and he's tight end 11 in my rankings, but I also have him about three rounds later than his overall draft position. So let's get out of here on some old school nitty gritty. My sleeper for the team is definitely Latavius Murray, and my deep sleeper is Traquan Smith, I guess. And I don't really have a breakout player at all in this offense. Maybe like a Divino Zigbo or like a Dwayne Washington or someone like that who could just burst on due to an injury, but that's high variance. Maybe I should add that, like a high variance guy. My undervalued would have to be, obviously, Latavius. I'll double up. And overvalued are both players at the onesie positions, the old folk, both Drew Brees at quarterback and Jared Cook at tight end. They're actually two of the biggest differences at their respective positions in my rankings and projections in fantasy. So to close out the Saints, I purposely did not mention Taysom Hill this whole episode. <laughs> Just going to pat myself on the back really quick. But I also neglected to mention their top 10 defense. They can also be attributed to a lesser degree for the team's success and the run-heavy direction they've taken. And to bring it all home, the two years here skewing to the run more, while Kamara has been a top four running back and Michael Thomas has been a top six wide receiver in both seasons, we now see Jared Cook coming in and Traquan Smith's possibility to take a step. This offense does have a different dynamic than it had the last two seasons. 
And over that stretch behind those big boys, being a top four running back and a top six wide receiver, the Saints gave us the tight end 34 and tight end 21. And their second wide receiver scored as wide receiver 34 in 2017 and wide receiver 72 last year. So we need to decide who among the group will disappoint. And to offer my two cents, I'm definitely a cream rises to the top guy. Call me Macho Man Randy Savage. (laughs) Oh yeah, the cream always rises to the top. Oh man, if you ever wonder why that guy wears sunglasses. (laughs) But yeah, with Drew Brees aging, this offensive line blooming into a top three unit, the defense and the weapons and trends from the New Orleans Saints, I'm definitely ready to put my money on Michael Thomas, Alvin Kamara, and given the offense, Latavius Murray as well. So to the butcher of the lyrics, the house of the rising sun, way gone, way gone in New Orleans. I'd like to have gone tragically up there, but New Orleans' sinking just doesn't apply. (laughs) Sorry, Canada. And sorry, Travis, for running long. Thanks to him for the hard work he does. Follow him on Twitter at TCL14. Follow the website at TrueNorthFFB.com and at TrueNorthFFB on Twitter. You can follow me on Twitter at TNFFTyrell. And if you're wondering, my favorite version of The House of the Rising Sun is by Paul Rogers and it ain't close. Well, maybe the animals are close. Yeah.